0: Okay. Well, greetings from St. Louis, Missouri.
1: Most definitely, most definitely. I have never been there. I hope to go there one day, one day in my life, what have you. And, and how are you doing tonight?
0: I am doing fabulous. I have had a ah, stressful year, but... 2024 is mm. starting off great.
1: Oh, yeah, because uh, I know it, my past year was very transitional a lot. Oh, yes. Oh, and I don't think it's going to stop this year. <laughs> I do not think it's going to stop this year because.
0: Well, it's definitely going to be transitional for me, but hopefully in a, all the most positive ways.
1: Mm. Most definitely. So I see, cause, cause one of the main reasons why I wanted to to to, to talk to you, interview you, mm-hmm. was um you use spaces, and I see that a lot of us in this world yes. are starting to use spaces a whole lot. So what is the benefits of using spaces? You know, and and what have you? I mean, some some be just general conversation, some is information, some is just a bunch of bullshit, but. <laughs> <laughs> But for you, what do you get from using space? Because you not only just participate, you also run your own.
0: Well, I've only really ran my own a handful of times.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I
0: just recently, in the last two weeks, learned how to run a space.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: so um, for me personally, I've been on Twitter since 2020,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and um, I didn't even know about spaces. Um, And I wasn't interested in it, but then someone invited me to a space um, over the summer and I participated and I enjoyed it. And I said, "Okay, I'm going to do this. And then I decided to diversify my business and um, start doing content.
2: Mm.
0: And so um, I am going to be launching probably the second or second or third week of February a uh, Loyal Fans page, and a Fansly. Mm-hmm. And so I've been, um, I've been a, a professional dominatrix for 30 years. I've been a lifestyle dom for 35 years. So, and I've um, been um, modeling for artists and um, <laughs> uh, since I was 19 and I'm 54. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a lot of content to comb through. Oh, because yeah. I've also really in- always enjoyed making my own home movies. Ooh. So I'm trying to, you know, contact people and get releases and that kind of thing for the <laughs> stuff I really want
1: to include. But see, but see, the interesting part is, uh, because that's why I think a lot of these like sites don't get, is that a lot of us that been filming content, whether it was professionally or unprofessionally, what have you, trying to find the people to get the right paperwork.
0: Exactly.
1: And it's a it's lot, you know. And,
0: because A lot of these people I've lost touch with years ago,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: I'm finding the stuff on my hard drive because I've saved it.
2: hmm
0: You know, I probably have about 1.5T uh, worth of stuff, and um, I'm going through it and trying to figure out, like, what can I use? What can I use? Mm-hmm. Um, of course, all the solo stuff I know I can use,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, and I am in contact with a few of the people that were um, lovers, not clients,
2: yeah. you
0: know, and I'm trying to get a hold of them, and then they want, of course, to make sure that their privacy is protected. Yeah. So they want, after I edit it, to review it, and so it's yeah. been an arduous process, mm-hmm. but Going back to why I've been participating in spaces is why I continue to participate in spaces with the network and mm-hmm. to find content provide uh, um, content creators mm-hmm. that are into the kinds of things that I'm into mm-hmm. that um, I can shoot with. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's a process because I decided a, a while ago, probably about oh, 10 years ago, mm-hmm. that I wasn't going to fuck anybody that I wasn't into. <laughs> I had to find something about that person that I found personally attractive to, uh, shoot. you know, to just, you know, fuck them in my free time.
1: <laughs> because see, cause, cause you said 10 years ago, what was interesting is that a lot of girls won't try to do content then. It was more of, let's just keep it 100 if they did point was to boost the escorting. Yeah. And they were more into the escorting than even thinking about point. Because you, you remember the Bush recession and Honey, the floodgates I have... opened.
0: Oh, yes. Of course.
1: And back the page first back
0: then. floodgates opened in 2008, 2007. Then another floodgate opened during the pandemic. Yeah. And it, did, it changed industry completely because when I entered the comp- the industry, yeah. I entered the industry in 1993, uh, working for an escort agency. Um, and um, I started as a dom because I trained as a dom mm-hmm. in my personal life because of my um, you know the networking I had done in the community, and so I had the wonderful opportunity to train under some. Some male and female DOMs out in San Francisco. I was living in Kansas City at the time. Also, uh, and how I got that opportunity was I met a DOM in Kansas City that I bottomed to, mm-hmm. and um, he knew, once he figured out he couldn't get me to submit, <laughs> and then I wasn't just being a bratty. I was actually a power bottom,
2: mm-hmm. or
0: you know, and I and I was I was DOM leaning. Mm-hmm more so than submissive he decided to train me as a dom and part of the reason he decided to was honey those student loans came due because i went to college in the 80s by the time i finished college the first time it was 1991 those student loans came due in 92 and i was like how am i gonna pay this shit and maintain my
1: lifestyle Mm mm-hmm and I wasn't compl- no goddamn joke <laughs> to him about it when one- finished college and i yeah. and I
0: was compl- you know, complained to him one day about that. And I was like, Oh my God, I might have to move home. The idea of moving home filled me with terror because I knew that it would totally change my lifestyle. I had been yes. on my own for about three years at that point, and I didn't want to have to go back home. And my parents had said, Well, we're not giving you any money. But you can come home and you can, you know, spend, you know, save up your money and mm-hmm. and pay off the student loans. And I was like, oh, fuck, no, I'm not doing that because they were very fundamentalist Christian. And I had come out in 89. I had, um, you know, uh, come out as come out as queer. You know, we didn't have the term back then, pansexual I, 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 or polysexual
1: or omnisexual. I, but no, that, it I, was, it, it was I technical about it, it was three things. You was either actually, if you want to be more technical about it, you was either straight, mm-hmm. lesbian, or gay. And exactly. lesbian and gay went together because was, it, the gay, the dude was gay, the woman was lesbian.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I, I was bisexual, which was frowned upon.
2: <laughs> yeah
0: at that time and so frowned upon that when we tried to get a float into gay pride kansas city the first time they wouldn't allow us to have a float because they said that you know it was the gay pride parade and we weren't gay
1: see and with that being said people you see what type of show we about to have yeah but you know that i'm a dom so i loving this so welcome Smokers to okay. the Smokers Lounge. You hey. know who I am. I'm Kevin Arthur Southern Champ, aka The Porn Rap Star. Find all my links with one link, rap pornrapstar Three sponsors to tell y'all about. The first one being the Facebook and Ellis community, lsworld.com. Next up, The High Adult Magazine and the Game of Racism Magazine.com. And last but not least, award-winning, award-nominated. They give you over with their smut, and they even have a award-nominated virtual reality side of their of their website. I'm talking about none other than BlushErotica.com. Also, people, you know the Premium Smoke Room has a new home, and she just said where hers is is the same place where mine is at, LoyalFans.com. You know what it is, the Premium Smoke Room, five premium podcasts for you to enjoy three sexy co-hosts for you to look at and hear them, give them hot takes, And we discussed the industry in depth with no filter. <laughs> also, you know, it gets wilder, it gets crazier, it gets more unpredictable, it gets more candid, it gets more provocative. The tits might come out, dildos might come out. You don't know unless you subscribe. <laughs> $25.99 a month and you can even see me in action in the video store. Also, proud member of the GW District Black Podcasting Network. So go over to shopgwdistrict.com and buy something, why don't you? Also, find me five days out of the week in the mornings at fullswapradio.com. Also, check me out on the skyhawkafterdarktv.com as well as the BGP LLC app. And let me not forget to mention you're listening to a AVN Award-nominated Podcast. Hello. <laughs> so I'm going to tote that. So, with that being said, I'm going to sit back. And, um, s- submissives, subs, bitch boys, hey, hey, pigs, get on your knees, get in the position with your palms up, and show respect is this mistress, goddess. Film Dom OG, introduce herself. Go ahead,
0: baby. I am Belle Dujour of St. Louis. I chose the name Belle Dujour because of this classic film done by an extraordinary director named Louis Bernard. It came out in 1967, and it was my film introduction introduction to a woman who was a switch. And the actress who played her was Catherine Deneuve, who is now a sexy, mature woman. But at the time, she was a femme fatale. mm -hmm. And she had never done anything outside of a very sweet, demure lady before she did this film with Louis Bernal. And she did three films with him, all on the topic of Uh, the bizarre, the taboo, Mm -hmm. and the unusual.
1: I'm going to tell you, truthfully, my first introduction into BDSM film-wise, and I didn't realize it was an introduction, was the Corsican Brothers with uh, Cheech and Chong. (laughs) If you watch the Corsican Brothers, it's a lot of BDSM kind of imagery in there. It was at the point where the, the God, I can't think of his name. What, the, he supposed to being like the king or what have you. He was, he has, that was the first, it, they had the actual cross. The St. Andrew's cross. Yes, and he was whooping, he was getting whooped, It was enjoying it. And then, you, of course, you had one of the Corsican brothers because one supposed to be able to feel the other's pain so they couldn't fight each other, so they sitting and stab each other in the dick. You get what I'm saying? To me, it's kind of like BDSM been around forever.
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, I was first introduced to it through literature. Mm -hmm. I used to hide. I was a very, very bookish young girl. Mm -hmm. And I used to spend a lot of time in the library. Mm -hmm. And my parents would never monitor
2: Mm -hmm.
0: what I did when I went to the library or the books I brought home. So I remember the first time I read erotica was the Diaries of Anaïs Nim and I was probably about ten or eleven years old. By the time I was twelve or thirteen, I was reading Marquis de Sade, uh, The Story of O. I had read um, <clears throat> Venus and Furs. And I realized that the librarians didn't pay attention to me as long as I was quiet and I was polite and I helped them clear the tables
1: when they were getting
0: ready to close. And I could sit back in the stacks and read whatever I wanted. And so as I got older, I think probably by the time I was 13, I started reading the psychology books on abnormal sexuality. And I was just fascinated by all of it. So I kind of made my reservation at that time for what I ultimately started doing later in life.
1: So, so how was BDSM back then versus now?
0: Well, you know, I am of the old school, of course. Um, mm-hmm. Or shall we say older school. And um, when I was, uh, I mean, I was just very much experimenting with my first submissive. I had my first submissive at 19. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was a junior in college. And he was a grad student. And one day he said, Hey, do you mind if we use handcuffs? And
1: I said, Absolutely not. As long as I'm the one that's cuffing you. Wait a second. How did you meet the. Wait a second. How did that conversation even start for it to get.
0: Okay,
1: we, we we're going back to me being
0: a bookish freak, okay, I didn't lose my virginity until I was 17 and a freshman in college. Okay. And so I had this whole list. I had literally written down a list of mm-hmm. things I wanted to try. So when me and this guy started fooling around because we weren't dating, I had a girlfriend and I had a boyfriend and he was a piece on the side. so uh because I got my first boyfriend the summer before I went to college when I was 16 I got my first girlfriend the second week of college when I was 17 and then I was seeing both of them well by the time I, I went to Europe when I was 18 I spent like a year and a half in Europe when I got back from Europe I was a lot more
1: expert. You was very mature for your age mentally and intellectually. Yeah, yeah. So
0: when I was talking to him about the things I'd like to try, I was telling him about BDSM, and I was telling him about the things I had read about and how I might want to try some of them. Mm -hmm. So one day he shows up at my dorm, and he says, hey, I went and got a pair of handcuffs, do you mind using handcuffs when we have sex today? And I said not at all, as long as I'm the one cuffing you.
1: And it began from there. <laughs> <laughs> now, now it's because I know back then it was really very much. A I mean, this was this was not this was 1988. Yeah, it, it, could think then it was very taboo because people don't realize. How taboo that lifestyle. Porn was taboo as It well. wasn't just taboo,
0: sweetheart. I was at a fundamentalist Christian college. So we couldn't have sex without being expelled from school. So we couldn't get she, caught. She just, man, that, that, that's BYU. God. And Ooh. I was on scholarship. And I was pre-med on scholarship. <laughs> so, <laughs> I wasn't gonna risk getting expelled from school.
1: Yeah, you know, so, it was ultra the taboo. Freak. There you go. Christians are the biggest freaks, people.
0: Oh hell, the fuck yes! <laughs> I They're ate happy. so
1: much pussy. They
0: I ate so much Christian girl pussy in college because the boys wouldn't eat pussy.
2: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And the girls wanted to experiment. And so, you know, I kind of let it, you know, drop that, you know, you're pretty. I think you're pretty. I I find you attractive in more than the friend kind of way. And then eventually it was, oh, do you want to fool around? Yeah, as long as we don't get caught or you don't tell on me. And then it went from there.
1: <laughs> oh my God. So shoot. So it, when did it become professional?
0: It became professional in 1993 after I completed my training with the Dom that was training me because he had been a professional Dom out in San Francisco in a couple of the Dom houses out in San Francisco. And when I met him, I met him through a stripper girlfriend of mine at the time, and she introduced us by way of she was getting her nipple re-pierced, and he was the only piercer in town. And so, I went with her to hold her hand while she got her nipple re-pierced, and um, I thought he was the sexiest fucking thing I had ever seen. He was, he had incision piercings, and he was tattooed from his scalp down to his knees, and I was just like, oh my God, I've never seen in person anyone like him. I had been in love with um, um, Mapplethorpe's uh, imagery Mm -hmm. throughout the 80s. And this guy looked like, you know, a couple of the guys that I used to beat off to, you know, in in Mapplethorpe's, you know, um, uh, porn, you know, kind of artistic porn. And so we're leaving the we're, we're going out to the car after she got her nipple repierced. And I say to her, oh, my God, I noticed the chemistry between you guys. Have you fucked him? And she goes, yeah, I fucked him. I said, is he good fuck? And she goes, She yeah, but he's so freaky. He's into all this weird shit like <laughs> domination and submission and all this stuff. And he was just too much for me. I said, bitch, can I go back in and get his number? Is that going to be a problem for you? And she goes, no. I said, great. So I went back into uh, the salon, and I told him, I was like, I think we need to fuck. Uh, Do you want my phone number? And he said, yes. So I gave him my phone number, and it went from there. And I met him in 91, and we played consistently until
1: 2002. Oh,
0: my goodness. So And then we reunited in Mm -hmm. 2012. But unfortunately, when we reunited in 2012, I had grown past him. Yeah. So it was,
1: it it didn't work for me. Yeah. (laughs) So it's, so in 93, how did you find the submissives, the customer submissives?
0: Well, okay. Um, How, How I found them was. You know, I, I was relying on this, on the man who trained me
2: yeah.
0: to help me choose a good agency to work for.
2: Okay.
0: So, you know, we went through the local sex rags, which at the time was like night flight yeah. and pitch. Mm-hmm. And so we went through the ads and he goes, don't apply this place, apply this place. Uh, don't apply
1: uh, this hold, place. On, hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to preface something ads is in what newspaper newsletters am i correct yes let's make that clear this is like, no internet
0: the magazine you only found in adult stores so you had to go to the sex shop to get night flight the pitch was a local ad generated um newspaper magazine
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it had back pages
1: and that way they got the turn back page from <laughs>
0: Because it wasn't called back pages at the time. It was um, just the back pages of this magazine.
1: Yeah, in some places it really was uh I know in the independent it was the personal ads. Yes. And and, and then yes. where they had the massages. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: And but it had, you know, but the play, the agencies had, you know, full, sometimes full page ads. Mm-hmm. In the back of these magazines. So he had trained two other doms before me mm-hmm. who were working currently in the industry. And they didn't want to network with me because I was not white. And I was in their mind competition because I he had tossed them aside to play with me. So, but he knew enough from having helped them get into the business to help me get into the business in the town we were living in.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because the same situation with, with, with me, to a certain extent, on the porn side. Girls, when I was active, when they came to shoot for my company, they wanted to post up. So, because I had knowledge of it from dealing with females that did it prior to porn, it kind of, you know, what I'm saying, helped them. Because I'm the kind of person, if you don't do it, I want you to do it right, correctly, and safely, and make the most money. Exactly. So keep coming back. So exactly. Now get my money.
0: <laughs> because he's very motivated to help me make money so that I could stay in town, so I could continue to be his playmate.
1: Yeah. They're how it works, what have you. And see, that was so funny because, see, this generation could never fathom if you had to do a newspaper.
0: Oh, <laughs> and, you had to, sometimes you had to write
1: letters. Yeah. You had to respond to letters. Yeah. So, shoot, so it's like, so, with like with the submissions, what have you, how extreme did some of these submissions work?
0: Oh, honey. <laughs> You know, um, I think the first, okay, the first extreme submissive was when I started working for an escort agency. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a uh, another agency
2: mm-hmm.
0: that they networked with. Mm-hmm. All the high-end agencies networked with one another. Because a lot of the same ladies worked for all of the different agencies, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Because we were not independent so much as we were free to work for whomever could make Mm -hmm.
1: us money. Make you money. So, Um, and see, and see, that's the thing, so my smokers can understand that, agencies, it, it, the girls that made the big bucks back then, they worked through an agency. They was yeah. not independents or what some pimps call renegades. So, oh.
0: <laughs> but, but at the same time, you could work for multiple agencies.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But you could only work for multiple agencies that had the same tier of client.
2: <clears throat> yeah.
0: So, like, if you worked for a low end agency that mm-hmm. dealt in drugs. That dealt in trafficking, you mm-hmm. know, that dealt in, you know, what they consider to be low end shit. Yeah. The high end agencies wouldn't fuck with you. Yeah.
1: Because, because, because also to a certain extent, some of the girls had pimps. So, exactly. exactly. Because, it like this, let's be real, there were less dominatrix with them Absolutely. agencies than it was. Prostitute. I
0: got into the industry. I was the only dominatrix of color for the first five years I was in my city.
1: Mm. Mm. That should tell y'all something. See, now,
0: I'm can- saying. now I'm not saying there weren't other dominatrix of yeah. color. They just weren't working for any of the high-end agencies.
1: Yeah. But see, but see, the reason but like I said, the reason why because let's keep it honey. The game was, was because, was we, we, uh, and
0: I was light skinned I'm gonna be completely honest about that. Part of it also was how you carried yourself. Yeah. Could this person get through the lobby of the Ritz Carlton? Yeah, yeah. You know, would this person steal from the client? And they had stereotypes associated with. Yeah. African-American, you know, um, uh, providers, Mm
2: -hmm. because you
0: called them providers back then, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and um, they, if you weren't well-spoken and articulate and Mm college-educated, the high-end agencies didn't want to hire you.
1: Yeah, because you couldn't fit in. You couldn't fit in. You couldn't fit in, in and
0: you were afraid of what kind of bullshit you'd bring back to their door.
1: Bingo, because they ain't trying to catch no heat.
0: No, no, because they had connections with government, they mm-hmm. had connections with the police, they had connections, and they stayed without having any trouble because they didn't cause any trouble and they caused no drama.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, I'm not saying that the way they conducted their businesses was correct.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm just saying that at that time, I benefited from it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's consenting adults. I mean, they don't give a damn. And, you know, it. And plus, like I tell people, being a dominant an escort prostitute is two totally different things. Very
0: different. Because let me tell you what. When I, okay, I took a job with an agency. Mm-hmm. The first agency I worked for, I worked for them for 10 days.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, I was making more money than I had ever made before in my life,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but they were a 50% agency, which was standard at that time. They took 50% of your money. Now, yeah. you had to charge a minimum of $300. Mm. So, I got $150.
1: Now, now I'm going to ask you this. Was there a time limit for the session?
0: Yes. It was a hunt it was three hundred dollars an hour. Okay. And Ooh. the limit was according to how much that person wanted to pay.
1: Mm-hmm. But see, but see, y'all never went under the hour though. No, never. See, see, once again, people. See, see, I'm giving y'all, I'm giving y'all the story here. I'm giving y'all the, the you, you know what I'm saying, the journey here on this. You feel me? There was no quick visits, 30 minutes, no, no
0: absolutely. hour
1: or better.
0: Exactly. And if you left before the hour was up, it was because the client sent you away. Mm -hmm. But when you arrived, you checked their identification. You verified with the agency that you were checking their ID, that you were there. Everything was okay. And then the agency called you um, 45 minutes into the appointment, made sure you were okay, Made sure you were leaving in five minutes because really the hour was fifty a fifty minute hour.
1: Yeah.
0: A fifty. not yeah, fifty minute hour, and they sent they always sent you with a driver, mm-hmm. and if you didn't report back with the agency within fifty five minutes of when you started the appointment, the driver came and knocked
1: on the door. Mhm. See, there you go. So now let's move into the internet age because yeah. how, how, how did you. In 1995. So what? In 1995,
0: I first got on the internet.
1: Okay. So now the internet is a different beast. Yeah. Um, but also, how did you transition with that.
0: I became independent in January of 1994. Mm, okay. Because I started with an agency in June of 1993, and then the agency I was working for, like I said, I only worked for them for 10 days, and I was recruited by another agency because they had heard about me from a client, and they decided to recruit me. So I got recruited to a higher-end agency that only charged $60 an hour and with a two-hour minimum. hmm and their minimum amount you could charge for an hour was 300 mm-hmm. So I was making, instead of $150 an hour, I was making $240 an hour, mm-hmm. a two-hour minimum. Mm. <laughs> that was more money than I had ever seen before in my life. Mm-hmm. But when I started with the agency, I could only see the agency owners. Yeah. Um, cl- uh, personal clients
2: mm-hmm. for the
0: first two weeks mm-hmm. while I was on probation, and mm-hmm. after I got off probation, she had a consultation with me, and then I was
1: allowed to book my own appointments. Yeah. See, because um, <clears throat> it like I tell like I tell anybody, it's agencies even from porn to 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 that side of the world was very essential. The sex work, sex.
0: Absolutely. In the beginning, it, in the beginning, before yeah. the internet.
1: Yeah, because there was a barrier between catch. You know, what I'm saying dealing with bullshit. They, they, you know, what I'm saying it wasn't no time wasting with that. You feel right? that
0: because when they called you and said, "I have a client for you," mm-hmm. but you negotiate your rate. Mm-hmm. You knew you had that appointment. It was just a matter of negotiating your rate,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and the reason they did it like that was so that you could upsell.
1: Mm-hmm. Now I'm gonna ask you this now because what's interesting when the when the rush to back page happened in yeah. 2000, two, I mean, 2008, right?
0: Oh, it happened before that.
1: Yeah. But- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It started because I didn't go front. It, it was like was-
0: it started in the 90s.
1: Oh yeah, because um even to like one of the girls that I met, you know, they always talk about hypnotic. Shouts out to her. You know what I'm saying? Kirby Hypnotic is my homie. She uh she wanted to introduce to what they were doing on Craigslist. You know what I'm saying? So when got and
0: Craigslist when Craigslist first started. Mm-hmm. But see, when the first eight a- the second agency I ever worked for She sold her business in January of 1994, Mm -hmm. and she told me, sweetheart, don't work for the motherfuckers that are buying my business because they get the girls strung out. They're Mm -hmm. mobbed up. You don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to forget to lock up my good call list and my Mm -hmm. bad call list tonight, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and you're going to go to Kinko's and you're going to photocopy all of that, and mm-hmm. you're going to leave $200 on my desk. Mm-hmm. And then you can be independent or run your own agency. Mm. So I started running my own agency in January of 1994.
1: So, so now you go from working the agency to actually being the boss of the agency. So how did that work out for you?
0: It worked out great for about a year. And then uh, one of my golden rules got broken by one of the ladies who worked with me. Mm -hmm. And I shut everything down, took a vacation of six months, and then came back as an independent.
1: (laughs) You say, I can't deal with these damn women.
0: You know what I said? My exact words were, I'm done with hurting cats. (laughs) And what I meant by cats was, I'm done with hurting
1: pussy. Yeah, yeah 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 trust me at it from for me managing females it's rough i don't care what none of you women say i'm sorry no disrespect but it's no
0: disrespect rough. no no look i don't i don't see it that way because you know what i went through the experience yeah and it was great with everyone but one person yes and that one person spoiled the
1: pot for everyone. Yeah. 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 It's it that is so fucking true. <laughs> and, and trust me, I know the feeling. Cause it's always that 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 one that it's like they lack patience.
0: Yeah. I had two golden rules when I was running an escort agency. Mm-hmm. Number one, you have a problem, you come to me. Number two, don't ever do or deal drugs to the clients. Because that's going to get us all in federal lockup. Yes. And mama ain't going there.
1: (laughs) So, 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 So now. Rules. Oh, my goodness. So now you are now doing content. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're playing this game of putting out content, filming, and stuff like that. Yeah. So how often do you film, and what do you film?
0: Okay. Um, so far, I've only managed to film once every two weeks. hmm And I film two different kinds of content. I film me as a power bottom. hmm So the people that I bottom to. Mm-hmm. And Mia's a dom. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I have the two different platforms I'm going to be presenting on. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Because loyal fans is going to be the less extreme things. Mm -hmm. Like uh, it's going to be more so my independent content. Because I do have a masochistic side,
2: mm-hmm.
0: so I will do self suspension. I will do, you know, masturbation. Mm-hmm. I, but it's all involves some form of BDSM. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, I'm lifestyle.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: No, this is not just something I do for the camera, or yeah. I do for money.
2: Yeah,
0: uh, it's something I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, But I don't often, I want my submissives to have the opportunity to see me in a bottom position
1: mm-hmm.
0: or a semi submissive position.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to ask you this. I, I had this conversation <clears throat> with my friend, Princess Daddy. Shout out to her. She said some of the submissives feel that when she's getting fucked, she is submissive. I was like, that's not true.
0: Yeah, but they do. They do. Because a lot of my submissives will actually email me the initial email and say, I don't want to fuck. I don't want you to suck my dick. I don't want any type of uh, sexual services. Mm -hmm. I just want my fetishes to be catered to.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And... To be quite frank, those are the submissives I prefer. Okay, because I know I'm not going to have to argue with them Mm -hmm. about what I do and don't do as a dom. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you have those who are actually looking for a fetish escort. And what I mean by a fetish escort is someone who is open to fucking and sucking and doing all of that. But at the same time, include him and domination in their session. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not who I am as a dom. Mm-hmm. But that's how I am in my personal life, mm-hmm. which is two very different things.
2: Oh
1: yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, now go ahead. What you about to say? I'm sorry.
0: No, what I was going to say is, and people don't. A lot of times people think that because they're paying for a session, mm-hmm. you should do whatever they want you to do in the session. But that's not being dominated. That's topping from the bottom. And I don't tolerate
1: that bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's so like this, right? Now, as the OnlyFans came in, it's before this, it actually... The boom happened before. Oh, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? But it got more saturated and a little bit absurd. Because I know you see it on Twitter. We, 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 you know how we do on the Smokers' Lounge.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, I'm about to go there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, go there, baby.
1: Every girl is a fucking film dom. Every girl is a financial dom. And... Why is that so popular among these girls? It, 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 before you answer. Say something, it, that's very huh? I'm say something
0: that's very unpopular. I'm going to say something that's very unpopular.
1: Go that ahead. I'm going to sit back. You
0: got out you. Of spaces. It's got me thrown out of spaces. It's gotten people to, you know, unfollow me. Throw out of here.
1: We, we keep we, we keep it 100. And go ahead.
0: Is that, like I said, I'm from a different generation. So I did fend on. Mm-hmm back in the day. We had all that back in the day. This ain't nothing new. Y'all didn't invent shit. Like my dad used to love to tell me, you young people think you invented shit. Mm Y'all invent shit. We had all of that back in my day. And my father was born in 1918. And his first job when he moved north after he graduated high school and ran away from them crackers that was trying to lynch his ass Mm
2: -hmm.
0: was as an enforcer for the mom black mom he ran numbers and he was an enforcer and he was a boxer so my dad before he became a ultra christian minister of the church Mm -hmm. was a low down and dirty
1: motherfucker well my dad never my dad never became a minister of the church but uh Y'all know the story. Smoke is
2: loud. <laughs> exactly. Y'all
1: know the family tree. I don't need to say yeah. it. Go
2: ahead. He
0: used to love to say to me, once I got grown, you young people think you invented shit, y'all didn't invent shit. We had all that back in my day. The only difference was we had better music and we dressed better. <laughs> <laughs> And my dad died at 99 years old in 2017.
1: Hmm. Hmm. He didn't belong. Till then. That's, That's why I
0: ended up back in St. Louis. I moved, you know, back to St. Louis was to take care of my mom and daddy.
1: Oh, my goodness. So, shoot. So, yeah, because I mean, to me, it's like, even when I look at on the men's side of it, it's, I tell I tell dude straight up, if you fucking yourself a lot I, I I think you're missing the point it's it's mental it's energy exchange it's it's all those things
0: absolutely right? and that's the thing about it when I first got into business I literally did not take my panties off for the first two years you're not supposed to you not believe me that I did not do that. And the only reason after the first two years I started taking my panties off was Mm. because of my own desires. Mm. It had nothing to do with what my clients were asking of me. Mm. And there were clients that were not open to that. Mm. Even now, I have clients that have no desire to see me naked. And I respect their boundaries.
1: Well, see, it the the reason why because the sexuality of a dominatrix is different than that of the sexuality of a porn star.
0: Absolutely.
1: And, and so people can understand what I mean by that is the way that a sub looks at his mistress is not the same as a dude on Pornhub looking at a, looking at a porn star. It's a different level of of love of of uh, adoring shit. Yeah. Oh, sure. Say it again. Say it again for him. Worship. Yes. That's what it comes down to. That's a different higher plane of love. You know what I'm saying? And it's kind of like, it, I think. I wouldn't say higher. I it, would say different. Yeah.
0: Plane of admiration, mm-hmm. idolization,
1: mm-hmm. and worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because even to me, it's like, um, I tell anybody: the sub chooses the doms, not the upper way around.
0: Absolutely. And people think, oh, I'm especially, okay, going back to the femdom thing, peace, going back to the femdom thing. Yeah. They think they're in charge.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: They are not in charge. The submissive chooses you. Actually, the submissive is in charge. So when I have suggested to, to in spaces, to groups of fin doms, that they do a consultation with a potential submissive before they attempt to dominate them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Find out what their kinks are. Find out what their boundaries are. What their soft boundaries are. What their hard boundaries are. What basically makes them tick. They tell me, girl you don't know shit. You don't know how the world works now. You don't know uh, uh, what's going on. And I'm like, no, I do, sweetie, and I'm trying to help you up your game.
2: Because
0: mm-hmm. if I wasn't able to make a living doing this for the last 30 years, would I still
1: be doing it? True that. Well, you know, you can't tell youngsters nothing.
0: <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, that, you know, I mean, you're you're old. You are OG, too. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm yeah. trying to explain to them how you get a long-term submissive. Mm-hmm. I've had some. I had a submissive that stayed with me for 25 years. That was the longest term. The shortest term I've had who's a monthly submissive. It's been three years now, going into the fourth year. Now, do you think, I am not arrogant enough to think I'm the prettiest, I'm definitely not the youngest, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: or the sexiest, but I have found out what makes them tick. I have taken the time to get to know them. I've taken the time to respect their boundaries. I've taken the time to find out what their allergies are what their health issues are, all the things that go into making them a person. And I have used all that information to sculpt fantasies that turn them on.
2: Yeah.
1: because, because
2: It make
0: them feel safe.
2: Yeah.
1: Because the, the, the whole point of it is, is that even though BDSM is cool now, it's still a shame with it with the submissive because they don't want the world to know they're king. Because no matter what, as we oh. sit here and say we progressive, bullshit, y'all will judge a motherfucker. We well, told you she's king. When it
0: comes to African American males, yes, there's this overdeveloped sense of masculinity that has nothing to do with reality, where of uh, Uh, African American cannot be a submissive African American male cannot be a submissive or he's a punk or he's a bitch or he's a faggot or he's some bitch rule him well you know what if that's what he wants and it's between two consenting adults and boundaries are being respected who the fuck is to say that isn't what needs to be done
1: no, see, what people don't realize, strength is being who you are. Weakness is hiding it. And that's what they, we got it twisted. You get what I'm saying? Because it's like, I always make this joke. A dude cannot go in the barbershop, and I don't give a fuck what anybody say, a dude cannot go in the barbershop and sit here and say, Oh, yeah, man, you know, me and my wife went to the swinger party, man. This dude with a 12-inch dick fucked the shit out of my wife. but She was sucking dick and everything while I was getting there. You, you know what the dudes to say. You all know what they'll say. You oh, a oh, faggot-ass oh. bitch. You let some other nigga fuck your woman, nigga, man, if it was me.
0: <laughs> and the same people that say that slip into my DMs late at night and say, Will you peg me, goddess?
1: See, see, and how dare you say you ain't sexy,
2: please.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Stop. I, said I
0: wasn't sexy, baby. I said I'm not for everyone.
1: Yeah, let's see, let's see, but see, but see, you for the right ones because you've been doing this for a long time.
0: <laughs> you know, the thing is about it is I consider myself a pegging specialist and a prostate specialist and a milking specialist. That's been what I have focused on. And edging. I love edging. I I just, I mean, that makes my pussy wet every time I get the opportunity to edge someone to the point where they think they can't take it anymore. And then I stop. And they can't come in my presence. That really makes my pussy wet. It's, it's making
1: it's my pussy work just thinking about she, it she, right now. She turned on right there, just thinking about it. And and, and I can't even I'm a dominatrix. It's like...
0: <laughs> you know what I'm talking about then, Daddy.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially she, if like, like if I knew I'm about to make a comment.
0: He can't come without my permission.
1: Let's see? That's the beauty of being an alpha. It takes an alpha to be with an alpha, people. So,
0: the thing about it is they are still in control because they give you that privilege. It's a privilege to give you that authority over them. Like tomorrow, I'm meeting a submissive that wants me to be his key holder. Mm. I love being the key holder, baby.
1: Is <laughs> you know, what's crazy is I do have I do have a male pay big because each point like I have a, a dude that I sit there and think because I have male slaves that I'm gay. That...
0: Oh, that has nothing to do with your sexuality.
1: No. no. Cause I do not fuck none of my male slaves. No, of course you don't. <laughs> but they don't want you to. That's what people don't get. <laughs> That's what people don't want Thank you, you to, baby. That ain't the point. <laughs>
0: And the thing is about it is some of my favorite submissives over the years have been strictly edge play and impact play. Mm.
1: And see, let me ask you a question. How far back have you been pegging dudes?
0: Uh, The first time I pegged someone was
1: 1989. Damn. Can I ask what color was he?
0: He was African American.
1: So once again, people, what y'all doing ain't new. <laughs> it's just, it's just y'all willing to put it on, put it on Twitter. Yeah. Or X as they call.
0: It. Now I will say that professionally, mm-hmm. until um, I'd say 2005, the seventy percent of my clients were of uh you know white
2: mm-hmm.
0: but that had more to do with socioeconomics
1: yeah
0: it had to do with anything else
1: mm. well, shoot. I mean, no-
0: say that 50 percent of my clients are african-american mm.
1: so shoot so have you drifted into doing like custom videos or anything like that
0: Oh, I've been doing custom videos since I had to use my VHS camera.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, oh my God!
0: Transferred a few things onto digital from VHS. Mm-hmm.
1: See people, it, it like this, I, I'm gonna modify saying that. I heard a lady say, say, and she been dominant before the recession, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Stop playing. Because
0: there know. were clients that would travel to my city mm-hmm. just to see me. And they would want something to jack off to when they couldn't see me. And I would custom make them videos.
1: See, it's... it's, it's like I tell people, the game... Never The the game never changes. It's just the technology does.
0: Exactly.
1: It's all the difference.
0: That's the only difference. And you know what? I am not going to lie, sweetheart. I have a steep learning cl- curve on learning all these apps. <laughs> I really do. And mm-hmm. I am doing my best to learn all these apps. But it is a steep learning curve for me. It is not easy because you know i'm used to just getting like before i started going into spaces mm-hmm. i would just go on twitter mm-hmm. post an ad
2: mm-hmm.
0: post my availability and get off yeah i never hung out i never chatted with anyone mm-hmm. i never responded to dms i never did any of that until this until 2023
1: mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's the whole key is just
0: Told me, oh, how are you talking about you've been around all this time and I never heard of you. I said, because you weren't supposed to hear about me, baby. It's about discretion.
1: See, see, I'm gonna tell you what it is. This generation is about clout. Our generation was about money, and the key but, to making money is these people didn't want
2: to no.
0: be about your shit, yeah. Being quiet about yo shit.
1: It, it, basically <laughs> smoke that over, smoke that over because yeah, because the whole point is when it was when it was paying you was to go away quietly.
0: Oh no no no! This is what I tell people all the time, even escorts because I was an escort back in the day because I didn't I couldn't fill my coffers with just dom. When I was working for the agencies and running my own agency and working as an independent back in the 90s, I couldn't make ends meet just being a dom. So, what I I did escorting too. And what I always told people was this. First of all, never do anything you're going to regret. Sit down. Write about it. Think about it. Decide what your boundaries are, what you're going to do, what you're not going to do, and how you're going to do it. Because someone's going to like your style. And you don't need everyone to like your style. You just need enough people to like your style to keep you employed. Now, the second thing is this. Treat your body like it's your temple. Get tested on a regular basis. Don't take risks you don't have to take with your clients. They're going to respect you for it in the end. At one point, (laughs) I was partnered with a woman who was running the only uh, website at that time. Because I told you I got on the web and Mm -hmm. had my first website in 95. Who dealt with independence. It was not an agency. She dealt with only independent women. And me and her decided to come together as partners. Now, I was a monitor and a moderator and an administrator on her website. And we had private chat rooms. And I monitored the chat rooms when she couldn't. And, you know, it was just the two of us. And we had the only game running in the city we lived in, as far as independents were concerned. Mm -hmm. You know, people who didn't have pimps, et cetera. And we vetted the women ourselves, so we made sure no one had drug problems, you know, legal problems, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So we used to have what we called hoedowns every three months and we would invite women from a quad state area to come to where we lived and we would have parties. And the first night was girls only and it was at my friend's house who I was partnered with because she had a large home with lots of different rooms and all that stuff. Very conducive, you know, to having a party. And I would do uh, HIV STD prevention Because that's what I do for my civilian job. And I've done that since 1989. And I would educate them on negotiating safer sex with their clients. You know, what kind of testing they needed. I would offer testing. I would do blood draws, oral HIV testing. You know, whatever needed to be done. And I would bring in friends who would do uh, reflexology and massage so that we could break everyone up so no one's privacy was violated
2: Mm
0: -hmm. okay and then we would usually rent uh, a room at a private facility so that we could have networking parties with potential clients and all the clients had to be vetted by women we trusted and we used to do what we called hold downs Mm -hmm. okay and that was a way for us to get to know each other as professionals and to network there were porn stars there were you know escorts there were doms i mean there was just a variety of women and the one that we had the highest output like show up of women was we had 25 women show up for one of our hoedowns and that was a lot of people back in nine uh 2001 to show up at one hoedown. And so anyway. Long story short. I convinced the women. Who attended our hoedowns. With the exception of two.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Not to give bareback blowjobs. Unless they had testing. Within the previous 48 hours. Mm-hmm. And. And. So, a lot of the guys who were used to getting bareback blowjobs got mad. And one of the two girls that, you know, continued to, you know, do whatever they need to do.
2: Yeah.
0: Because uh, they were survival, mm-hmm. you know, escorts. You know, not everyone's a survival escort. Some people just do it as a secondary business. It- um, told these guys that, oh, you know, oh, girl. Was it when it convinced everyone to stop getting bareback blowjobs? <laughs>
2: you
0: know. Cause I let them know you can get gonorrhea, chlamydia, syphilis in the throat. You can, you know, you can't necessarily get HIV that way. And you still can't necessarily get HIV that way. It's a very low risk activity for HIV, but it's a high risk activity for gonorrhea, chlamydia, syphilis.
1: Yeah, because pre-cum is a dangerous motherfucker.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And then if you're swallowing, you don't know what you're swallowing. Especially if you don't know what that client has done previous to showing up on your doorstep. It's just the truth. I mean, I hate to hurt anyone's balloons, but it's not a low-risk or no-risk activity. Okay, and so what was funny is these I'm moderating the men's room Mm -hmm. on my friend's site. These guys had no idea I was the one moderating the men's room. And they're in there, these old school dudes that are so mad because, oh, my God, this bitch had the nerve to convince all our favorites to stop giving us bareback blowjobs. We're like, oh, we're going to ban her. We're gonna run her out of the business because no one's gonna see her because she's convinced our favorites to stop giving us bareback blowjobs. Well, all the guys that were terrified of seeing pros because they were afraid of getting something started seeing me. Yeah,
1: because <laughs> they were like, oh my god, this this person's you know careful. You they convinced the girl, you convinced the girls not to do. Which was a good idea because if they wasn't tested,
0: how do you, you know what you the do? clients? How do you Test know what you're And a lot of those girls, I never said anything, and I never said any name. Of course I never said anything. Yeah, Cause yeah. like I said, my civilian job since 89 has been in HIV and STI counseling and testing is I would do these girls testing and they would be testing positive for shit consistently. And so, but I never said that. I just said, this is a high risk activity, right? Mm-hmm. So the guys who were afraid of seeing pros, because they were afraid to bring something home to mama, started seeing me. <laughs> Cause they were like, Oh my God, she's ultra careful. So the guys actually helped my business by trying to ban me
1: (laughs) instead of hurting my business. See, there you go. So I done held this lady up here for an hour, y'all know. And we ain't talked about, we ain't touched the, uh, uh, we ain't touched the surface. So that means I got to bring her back. So y'all know I got to ask the million dollar question.
0: Okay, baby. I'm
1: ready. Can I call you Smoke Buddy Baby? Sure. There you go. She'll be back here on the Smoker's Lounge. And uh, we're going to see if she'll be willing to come to the female I smoke room.
0: I just got to say this because I've had so many people question my ethnicity and my age. Yeah. And I want to clarify. Okay. I am French Creole mm. and Irish Native American. Mm. And I'm definitely a woman of color. And I was raised by two parents who are both darker skinned than me and African American. Mm. Another thing is this How is this for 54 years old? How is this?
2: Ooh.
1: Mm. See, see, see. <laughs> Yeah, we got to get her to the premium smoke room. For real. You know what I'm
0: saying?
1: <laughs> we got to get her to the premium because smoke
0: room. Because let's be serious, baby. You know, people think because you get older, you are no longer sexually viable. Oh. Honey, males and females are ultra sexually viable. No matter what age you are. Yeah. But you don't age out of being sexy. Oh,
1: no. Hell no. See, that's why I always say this. To all you motherfuckers that talk about women woman in their prime, take the baby out of it. The woman in their prime is 35 and better because they know themselves and they accept themselves as who they are.
0: And they're comfortable with themselves and they're not going to bring any bullshit to your door.
1: Pussy with no complications.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, baby.
1: (laughs) So with that being said, Yes, we're going to bring all the previous smoke rule, and you know what that means. More provocative, more outlandish, more crazier, more wilder, all that shit. I might have to bring
0: toys.
1: Yeah, even toys, even toys. But you won't know sure you subscribe, people, on LoyalFans.com. So with that being said, baby girl, tell everybody where they can spend money on you and find you.
0: Okay, well, you can find me on Twitter. Belle Du Jour STL mm-hmm. you can also find me on FetLife mm-hmm. Belle du Jour STL and probably by the time this broadcast drops you could also find me on Loyal Fans Belle Du Jour STL and Fansly Belle Du Jour STL
1: so there you go people I hope You enjoyed this. I damn sure did. (laughs) So, you know what you submissive, you bitch sons of bitches need to do. (laughs) And y'all know how I end this motherfucking shit too. Life is a learning experience. What's the point of the experience? If you haven't learned anything, smoke this over. My, My goddess, please say goodbye to the smokers.
0: À le prochain, chérie. Mm. Peace.